0: This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode of This Week in HPC is brought to you by DDN, the leader in parallel storage and data management for AI, big data, and HPC use cases at scale. Visit DDN.com. Fujitsu's arm reaches across the ocean.
1: SC-19 heads back to Denver.
0: It's This Week in HPC. Hi, F1. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. Joining me again is Tiffany Trader of HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research. And Tiffany, we're getting ready to head to Denver for SC-19. But first, This Week in HPC, some interesting news coming out of Fujitsu that both Fujitsu and Cray in 2020 will. Be introducing HPC systems based on Fujitsu's ARM processor A64FX.
1: Yeah, so this is uh, the big, some big news this week coming out from from them. This, this is uh, the same chip, the hotly watched chip, going into the post K Fugaku supercomputer at Riken uh, to be deployed there in um, 2021. Uh, and the the A64FX chip that uh, we've seen some disclosures co- coming out the last couple of years. So this is the chip. that has a HBM2 high bandwidth memory, as well as the ARM scalable vector extensions, uh, which provide um, theoretical bandwidth uh, greater than one terabyte per second. And so both both the companies came out within within a few hours of each other, announcing that they're they they're, they're launching systems. So the the new HPE Cray system will be part of its CS500 lineup, and it will employ um, this processor. Uh, and they said that um, they're coming out uh, with machines in mid 2020. So they already have five customers on their on the record uh, as of this launch. Uh, Cray does. They have uh, Los Alamos National Lab, Oak Ridge National Lab. Rican, naturally, uh, Stony Brook University, which was the the first customer um, to announce, as well as the University of Bristol in the UK, which we know has um, been doing a lot of work with ARM and has the Isambard system there.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting announcement. Now, we've known that the A64FX chip is coming from Fujitsu, but there's a couple of interesting things about this to me. First, that the announcement implies that this chip is really ready to go into systems the year before it's going into the Fugaku system in 2021. Here we're talking about systems in mid-2020, so that's earlier availability and not very long away from now before we're going to be seeing these systems getting deployed. And then, of course, the Cray announcement, that's got to be a real win for Fujitsu to get the chip accepted into another vendor's uh, high-performance computing system. Now, Cray, of course, will be part of HPE in this time frame, so we're saying it's a Cray system, it's an HPE system. We've got to figure out exactly how that's branded going forward. When I heard that it was going into a Cray system, my mind immediately ran to the Shasta architecture, which seems like it can support any CPU going into that, but this isn't uh, Shasta. This is the CS500, and that seems to be related to which generation of PCI were, uh, PCIe were on for the uh, A64FX.
1: Right. So at this point they they wouldn't be compatible because the A64 FX is PCI Gen 3 and the uh, the Cray Shasta would be PCI uh, Gen 4. So for, for at this point, um, it's going to be part of the CS500 but we'll, CS500 lineup, but we'll you know, we'll see where where that goes with a possible uh, future version of this chip.
0: And you're right. uh, Interesting to get Bristol on that list uh, with the Eisenbard system. Uh, Simon McIntosh-Smith and his team have done an outstanding amount of work benchmarking these early ARM systems and their applicability for HPC, particularly for memory bandwidth intensive workloads. And then in terms of other new systems going in, um, Stony Brook University is going to be among the first, and that's going to be a hybrid Cray-Fujitsu system called Okami, Japanese for Wolf. It's going to be a $5 million project that's basically being labeled as a test bed in collaboration with Riken. What's interesting here is that it really implies a high level of collaboration between the U.S. and Japan, between RIKEN and American partners, between Cray and Fujitsu. So uh, this really looks like a very collaborative process to bring along these ARM processors in HPC.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And, well, along with um, uh, systems being um, announced uh, that we'll be going into, um, well, they haven't announced the systems yet, but... Uh, they will be doing so at Los Alamos and Oak Ridge as well. So increasingly, there's this there's this interest in um, looking to other other technology vendors to um, you know supply the f- the future uh, systems and in, in, into the exascale era.
0: Me- meanwhile, in your article on HPC Wire, you point out that this isn't the only news coming out of Japan. We're also seeing some news coming out from NEC going into supercomputing with re- with regard to their vector architecture SX Aurora Tsubasa.
1: Right. I mean, so that's because just looking at the bigger picture here, you know, there's just uh, we 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 see more and more interest in these other architectures and even in uh, non-US technology providers. So at at uh, Sandia, for example, we have the, the 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 petascale Arm HPE system Astra there. You know, of course, those processors. I'm not sure if it was uh, CAVium or Marvell when they bought it, but now you know ThunderX is under under Marvell, uh, and then we. Um, you know, this, a lot of, um, this collaboration with Fujitsu and then NEC, I, I noticed on the SC agenda that um, the NEC is going to have its Aurora forum on, on Monday at SC. And, uh, the presenters, so a couple of the presenters, there, are United States Naval Research Laboratory, as well as Los Alamos. And they'll, they're both presenting on early work and benchmarking that they're doing for the NEC SX Aurora to Vector engine. So, um, more relationships here with with some some organizations outside the u s so I thought that was notable um but back to uh, Cray and Fujitsu you know a couple a couple hours after the the formal announcement with uh the coming out from Cray and Fujitsu Fujitsu came out with its own separate announcement that it's also launching its a sixty four f x arm systems uh two there are two of them uh, prime prime h p c the prime h p c line and it will be the f x one thousand and the f x seven hundred models if you look at our our feature on that you can see there's a, a chart with some more details uh but um as for some of the details of the the number of cores the f x one thousand will have forty eight cores and two assistant cores um and and then uh, an IO and computational node will have 48 cores and four assistant cores. And, uh, the clock on that's 2.2 gigahertz. And on the FX 700 it's 48, uh, cores, um, with the clock on that between 1.8, uh, and two gigahertz. And you can check that out. Um, there's some, some information on the, uh, the flops there as well. Um, another thing that's kind of interesting that they, they announced that they, uh, there's kind of a, not, not surprisingly a Delta, um, the, the entry point, um, the buy-in to, to these systems between Japan and outside of, outside of Japan. So inside Japan, the FX-1000, the, the larger machine, the deployments start at a minimum of 48 nodes. And then outside Japan, that goes up to 192 nodes. And then the FX-700, the smaller one, starts at a min- minimum of two nodes inside Japan. Uh, and the minimum outside is, is goes up to 128 nodes.
0: I think these are going to be some of the most interesting product platforms to keep an eye on in 2020. We've been talking about ARM and HPC for several years now. We've had individual projects like Eisenbard, which we mentioned, or Astra, the first petascale system, going on to the top 500 list based on ARM at Sandia National Labs. These have been interesting to watch, but to have now a Fujitsu standard product and a Cray standard product with these configurations that are highly scalable based on Fujitsu's arm, the A64FX. I think that's gonna be really interesting to see how well they get adopted in 2020. And we'll do another touch point on that as we head into SC20 next year, a year from now. That'll be a good touch point. But for now, this week in HPC, really. All eyes are on the Supercomputing Conference, where we'll be heading in a couple of days. We'll be in Denver. And some of the earliest news that will come out that we know we'll be talking about is the new Top 500 list, as well as some other major benchmarking efforts going on.
1: Yeah, so that's always one of the things that we look forward to. We look forward to a lot of things at at SE each year. And one of the things is the benchmarking, of course, the the Top 500 will come out, the Green 500, the HPCG benchmark, the, the Graph 500, Um, You know, we'll get to see the new top 500 list and probably on both of our minds and other people's minds as well as whether or not this this mystery Chinese computer that we discussed back in June after the after ISC. um, you know, will that be will that be on the list? Uh, and if it is, you know, will it it come in at um, roughly 50% more flops than Summit as we had uh, as I had heard um you know back in June uh, that it, it might. Um, so we'll see about that. And uh, there's also another new benchmark coming to HPC. Uh, I think some of our readers probably heard um, back at ISC about the what was it then being called the HPC AI benchmark, but um that name hadn't been formalized yet so now we've learned that this um this new benchmark is going to launch the HPL AI mixed precision benchmark and that effort is not is being led by uh Jack Dangera, of course one of the the founding authors of the Top 500 as well as Piotr Loscheck Lus- and they are both um both from the University of Tennessee uh and so now it has the, the name the HPL AI benchmark um I They will be uh, launching a full launch and a website and seeking submissions soon. So, so far, they have only benchmarked one system, which is Summit, uh, benchmarked at 445. Petaflops, and that work was uh, detailed at ISC.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that secret Chinese supercomputer. That was a big story that I thought it was coming out of ISC last year. And it kind of amazed me how interest died down around it. So we will see if that comes back to light this time around on the top 500 list. Meanwhile, as as noted in our first story on the podcast this uh, this week, is there's a lot of interest on CPUs, and it's not just going to be on ARM, of course. Intel, NVIDIA, AMD all lining up to have major announcements or demonstrations or workshops during the show. I think maybe this time uh, some of the biggest focus is going to be on Intel, where they've got an address planned, and I'm hopeful that we might start to hear more about the Intel XE processor and the One API initiative.
1: So they they have their Intel Developer Conference going on Sunday and Monday, uh, and Chief Graphic Architect Raja Kuduri, he is giving the keynote. So um, yeah, I think we might um, hear more about the the Xe GPU and the whole Arcus- um, ecosystem that's being created for for Aurora and, uh, and um which is scheduled to come on in 2021. And they also they have on their agenda they'll be having a number of sessions on one API. As well as a session on Deos on Wednesday, so that is uh, Deos is the distributed asynchronous object storage, um, which uh, Intel is referring to as the the foundation of its Intel Exascale storage stack. So I think we'll be hearing more about all of those things, um, and uh, we'll also be hearing from AMD. Another um, another big, you know, Intel was the big. Winner for the uh, Intel and Cray were the big winners for the uh, um, Aurora contract. And then AMD um, uh, and Cray uh, were, um, is a big winner for the, the Frontier system uh, going into Oak Ridge. Uh, it's an all AMD system coming in 2022 or 2023. So a big question for us here and for a lot of other people has been like, what about programmability? You know, CUDA has had this this big head start. And so what is AMD doing there to, to um, uh Foster the programmability. And Addison, you had pointed out uh, back at the launch event that you were surprised that uh, they didn't have uh, more focus on on that aspect at the epic launch.
0: Yeah, and the emphasis there is really going to be on ROCm, which is the development environment surrounding these uh, AMD processors, as well as HIP, which is a trans, it's a an API that's a translational. Uh, translational layer for moving codes from CUDA over to Radeon Instinct GPUs. Now the Rockham team is going to be having three different sessions from AMD during SC, Tuesday from 11 to 1, Wednesday from 1 to 3, and Thursday from 9 to 11 at Rock Bottom Brewery. I think those are are really important sessions and maybe mirroring what NVIDIA has done, although not to the same extreme with CUDA in terms of trying to develop more of a A grassroots effort there. Now, I mentioned NVIDIA. Jensen Huang, the CEO of NVIDIA, will, of course, be giving a special address again this year at Supercomputing. That's Monday afternoon from 3 to 5. Uh, So I know they'll be trying to drive uh, people to that event as well. But, you know, that's not all there is to look forward to at Supercomputing. Certainly, if we look at the invited talks, the plenaries, the keynotes, and other activities around SC—it's going to be keeping us busy. Are there any particular things you're looking forward to?
1: Well, I always try to get to the keynote, and the keynote's going to be going to be good this year. Um, it's, it's it's on Tuesday morning, November nineteenth, Tuesday morning, and uh, the keynote's going to be from Dr. Stephen Squires. Uh, he is uh, the James A. Weeks Professor of Physical Sciences at Cornell. And he is going to be speaking about the Mars rover Expedi- expeditions in his keynote talk, which is titled Exploring the Solar System with the Power of Technology. So looking forward to that. And there's also there are also 12 invited talks. Uh, we don't have time to, to highlight all of them. But if you um, stay in your seats after Dr. Squire's keynote, um, you will get to hear from Katie Baumann, who will be presenting on the methods and procedures used to produce the first image of the black hole from the Event Telescope, or Event Horizon Telescope? So one of the biggest um, breakthroughs, uh, science breakthroughs, in, in, in recent times here. And then right after that, Paul Marin will be talking about mapping the Arctic under uh, the Ar- Arctic Dem project. And our science writer, um, our writer Oliver Peckham, covered covered that a few months ago. Um, so happy happy to see happy to see this. Uh, a lot, of, it looks like there's going to be a lot of interesting and important science being featured at at SC.
0: Yeah, there's certainly a lot that's going to be going on, and uh, then there's too many receptions that we can't can't possibly mention them all, although I will get one in that's very near and dear to my heart. I hope that our listeners will come to the Intersect 360 reception, which is traditionally held uh, and, again, is this year on Monday afternoon from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock. That'll be at Tamayo Restaurant at 1400 Larimer Street. You can find information on that if you need to on our Twitter handle at Intersect 360 or following us on linkedin Uh, You can find the information there. This is especially important this year because we'll be honoring the retirement of our founder and and chief research officer, Chris Willard. Christopher G. Willard, PhD, has been an important mentor to me in my career as an analyst, and and I'm looking forward to giving a proper recognition recognition and send off uh, at SC19. So I hope you'll be able to join us and uh, raise a glass to Chris Willard and get uh, SC19 kicked off to a good start. Beyond that, of course, we'll be giving our market update presentations on HPC, Hyperscale, and AI two different times during the show. You can find me Tuesday, 2.30 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the Mellanox booth theater. That's uh, Mellanox's booth 601. And then Wednesday afternoon, 4 o'clock to 4.30 in the AWS booth theater. That's booth number 425. So two different presentations, market updates on HPC, hyperscale, and AI. Always look forward to doing those during the show.
1: I will certainly be there to to toast Chris on Monday. And uh, is there one last thing we should mention?
0: Everyone on Twitter always wants to know the big important question, who is HPC Guru? Now, if you're following that thread and you've got a button, pay attention this year. It's SC19. You might just find out. Who is HPC Guru? And uh, keep following us at Intersect360 or the HPC or SC19 hashtags on Twitter. We'll see if we can add a little bit of light into that mystery or perhaps not.
1: That's right. See y'all next week.
0: All right. Thanks, Tiffany. I'll see you in Denver and I hope to see you there too. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research. Actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.